You're listening to the Opening Statements Podcast, brought to you by HyperChat Social, the podcast bringing you real lawyers and their real stories. I'm Laura. I'm Rebecca. I'm producer Evan. And this week, our guest is James Robeson, a personal injury attorney and founder of Glass and Robeson. James has been named as a Georgia Super Lawyer Rising Star every year since 2012 and has been named a top 40 under 40 trial lawyer every year since 2014, but not anymore. Oh, just <laughs> added that in there. <laughs> I had to find out if it was still true. Like, how long can you be 40 under 40? Like, If I were to look at James, start? I would say he's got at least seven more years left at in him. At least. I mean, y'all should I'm see I'm getting James. the brownie points here. You are. Okay, maybe. <laughs> you buttering me up. Yeah. Right? Yeah, we gotten started. But yeah, so we're going to do court is now in session and welcome to the show, James. Thank you for having me. <laughs> James, if you could get on the mic just a little more. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so to kick us off, tell us why do you do law? Um, as a history and political science major, uh, um, I realized that I had very limited uh, job prospects after I graduated from college. So like most um, um liberal arts majors, I found myself applying to law school. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, I was very fortunate that it, it really worked out perfectly for me. Um, I, I, unlike some of my classmates, I didn't hate law school. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was unpleasant. Um, but by and large, I liked the people I went to school with. Um, and I made some really good friendships. Um, my law partner, Robert, and I actually were in the same section so we've known each other since the first week of law school wow and interesting fact his wife's aunt was my eighth grade math teacher which we learned which we learned in our when we uh, formed a study group and we were kind of playing the name game and so we made that connection so it was a match made in heaven that's crazy in douglasville it was a match made in douglasville (laughs) 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 what were you originally going to like why did you become a poli sci major in the first place you know um So I always really liked politics and kind of the legislative process, and um, I thought at some point I might want to do um, – be be a politician. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I saw law school as a potential uh, stepping stone to that. Um, And, you know, and I I haven't ruled that out completely, Mm -hmm. Um, but it was – something I really enjoyed. And then the classes I ended up taking in law – excuse me, in college – I realized that that was a really good fit for me. Mm. It just I really enjoyed the subject matter, the variety of what you study, uh, and I was very fortunate to just to have some really good uh, professors and some really interesting classmates. In fact, um, in the recent Georgia Attorney General race, uh, it ended up going to Chris Carr, but his challenger was Charlie Bailey, who sat behind me in um, the <laughs> legislative process with Dr. Pajoni uh, many years ago. So, oh, yeah. there you go. Wow. Mm, cool. Yeah. Have you always practiced personal injury? I have. Um, so my, I'm coming up. I just had my 15th year anniversary on Halloween of being admitted to the bar. And so when I started out, I did insurance defense. Like most, I would say many people who do personal injury mm-hmm. don't start off doing personal injury for the plaintiffs. And I represent the plaintiffs now. Yep. Um, but the first two years of my practice, I actually worked in Midtown with a uh, defense firm. And um, it was the first job I had out of law school, and I got to see personal injury on the defense side and yeah. representing the people that we, you know, end up suing. Um, but, you know, I got my first taste of doing injury work on the opposite side. 
And I really enjoyed it. You know, honestly, I could have probably done that as a career because I liked the firm I was at. I was at Swift Curry McGee and Hires in, in Midtown. And the folks I worked with were great. I've ended up having cases against them over the years. And so, I, in fact, I've got one right now with them. <clears throat> and um, so we get along really well. It was just something that I realized wasn't my calling. Yeah. Um, it, you know, at the end of the day, your job when you're defending these lawsuits, you're hired by the insurance company. And whether you do a great job or a uh, less than great job, <clears throat> excuse me, all you're doing is ultimately saving the insurance company money. And there's not mm-hmm. really a lot yeah. of, um, le- you know, when you go home at night, you're not feeling particularly great about what you've done. Whereas what I do now and the opportunity to, you know, meaningfully impact somebody's life is is totally worth um, going to work every day. Yeah. We hear that a lot about, like, when you go to work for the insurance company, you're basically just going to work for the man. And, yeah. like, no one really appreciates what you're doing. It's like, oh, good job. Like, you did your job today. Like, on to the next thing. And there's no real, like, appreciation for what you do. So that's definitely a recurring theme that yeah, we hear. Yeah, it lacks, like, that humanity piece of it. Yeah. You know, like, when in a personal injury case, when you're representing the human, the person, the defendant mm-hmm. of it, you get a thank you. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like it's absolutely. a much more meaningful piece. No, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, at, at the end of the day, you know, if I save a multi-billion dollar company $100,000, it doesn't, you know, affect the price of tea in China. Right. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, if I have somebody who's lost a spouse or lost a loved one or lost a limb, it's not going to make their life back to the way it was before they got hurt, before mm-hmm. they lost, lost their spouse. But you're giving, you're compensating them for that loss and putting, you know, a value on something that's intangible and having a chance to change their life for the better. Yeah. Because you know, something, the reason they come into my office is something terrible has happened to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm never going to make up for that. Um, but to the extent that I can make their life an improvement, th- it's going to have a tangible impact on their lives. Yeah. With you focusing on the personal injury side, do you find yourself gravitating to certain kinds of injuries, if you will, rather, you know, we common times hear about car wrecks, slip and falls, is there a particular... Dog bites. Dog bites, you know. Brain injury. Yeah. Um, You know, I've had a, I've had a interesting career in the sense of I've done a lot of different cases. Um, You know, injuries, you'd be surprised you'd be surprised the way that people get injured sometimes. And you think, well, how did that, how could that possibly have happened? I've handled the brain injury cases. I have several of those going right now. Um, Those are interesting because the people that you're interacting with, I mean, absent a really traumatic, catastrophic brain injury, um, they look, talk, appear completely normal. um, And the only way that you really discover their story is to talk about those um, who are closest to them. And that really helps you understand just how profound the injury is. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're not in a position typically to relay the changes. Sometimes they can, um, they know that they're off or their things are a little bit different or the way they go about their days different. Um, but generally speaking, you're learning their story through, their friends, their family members, their coworkers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've handled several of those cases over the years, um, ended up trying one many years ago. And the interesting thing about brain injury cases is um, 
insurance companies don't put a lot of value on them because oftentimes the medical bills aren't very large. There's not, a, I mean, again, absent a brain bleed or something where they have to go in and relieve the pressure on the brain. Yeah. Um, generally speaking, you go in, you have, you know, a, a concussion or, or some kind of injury and it gets better with time. Um, but there's nothing a doctor can really do other than wait, maybe give some medications, things like that. But the impact that it has on somebody is lifelong. And so insurance companies oftentimes are only looking at what the medical bills are to evaluate mm-hmm. the case. My experience is juries absolutely get it. And the verdicts that we've seen over the years in brain injury cases, even with an insignificant amount of medical bills, is oftentimes you know, multiples of 10 as to what the medical bills are. So those are very interesting cases. I, I like those cases. They're sad cases. Mm-hmm. Um, I've handled, um, you know, death cases. Those are very tough. Um, again, to the, to the point I made earlier about, you know, valuing those um, injuries. How do you put a value on a human life? Yeah. And that's what we have to do. And what's interesting about the state of Georgia is, unlike most states where the value is the loss to the survivors, in Georgia, we look at what is the value of the life to the person who died. Mm-hmm. That's unlike most states. What would you, what would John, uh, you know, John Smith value his own life as? Not the loss from the kid's perspective or the wife's perspective. So those cases are very interesting and they're very sad. Um, and, uh, you know, but I would say those aren't the majority of the cases that I handle. Um, usually it's the garden variety you know, neck injury, back injury. Um, I don't do a volume practice, so mine are usually bigger cases where there's either some surgeries or some invasive stuff going on, or I'll get brought in to, to work up those cases for trial. But it's varied. Yeah. When you talk about, like, death, and it's what the value of the case is to the person who died. Like, are you talking about if I died and I'm however old and <laughs> I have this much, like, projected life, I'm going to live and this is how much I'm going to earn over my life and what I could potentially do. Like, how do you value that? I say, is there like a formula and, you know, how do you? Well, yeah. So there's kind of two pieces to that and without getting too wonky on, you know, Georgia law. So you have, you have the, the losses that occur because of the death. All right. So presumably you're going to bury that person um, so you're going to have funeral expenses if they die, but they went to the hospital and they had some medical treatment. So those are um, those are damages that the survivors bring on behalf of the estate. Okay, okay? Um, and those are generally you know not not particularly huge. Um, but then the other piece of it is the wrongful death case, and, th- and there are other parts of the estate claim. But again, I don't I don't want to get too much into the weeds. But on the wrongful death case, there's two parts to that. So the one part is you're looking at what would the person have earned over the course of their life. And that's the economic component of it. Um, And in cases where you have history of earnings, you can look at what did they do or what are their parents' jobs. And you can kind of, you can analyze, generally speaking, what what is an engineer going to earn over the course of their life? Um, Or this person was a construction worker and they earned Mm -hmm. X number of dollars an hour, and we just look at a table and we can figure out what's their annual, or excuse me, what's their um, projected life expectancy. Mm-hmm. Um, the bigger piece, and I think the thing that that is the more impactful loss is the value of the life. What's the value of a sunset? 
what's the value of walking your daughter down the aisle at a wedding? Yeah. Fourteen dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, he's kidding. Um, I I sorry, fourteen dollars one cent. Yeah. Prices right rules. I don't. I think we would strike you for for uh, from our jury. Yeah, if, you don't if you get to there. be allowed. All right, fine. <laughs> I think he was valuing the sunset, not walking the daughter down the aisle. <laughs> I mean, uh, someone who doesn't have a daughter <laughs> just sounds like more work. Yeah, plus, sure. you pay for the wedding. Sounds right. Like, I get paid for my time to walk down the aisle. So the, you know, so those are the things. It's what is that loss of never being able to, you know, hold your partner's hand and walk on the beach. Um, and those things, you know, what we've seen is that's a difficult thing to value in the sense of there's no really amount of money that you could, you anybody would willingly give to give that up. Um, but that's the monumental task of a jury in our system to value that. And what's interesting too, in Georgia, we have unanimous jury verdicts. So unlike Ohio, for example, I had a case in Ohio this past year um, where you have 12 jurors, mm-hmm. but you only need eight to unanimously agree on the verdict. Oh, and wow. the amount. Oh, we've, yeah, we've talked about this before, I think, right? In Ohio? Not Ohio, but I think we've talked about the unanimous uh, jurors. Yeah, so oh, Georgia yes. is a state with yeah. unanimity in mm-hmm. its verdicts. And so that, you know, so that makes it even more impressive when you see and you're reading about verdicts, the fact that you've gotten the lawyer was able to convince 12 people you know, when could you ever get 12 people to agree on where to go have lunch yeah. you know, or what to have for lunch? You've convinced 12 people um, both on the liability, meaning who's at fault, and then also the value of, of the loss. So, When you talk about like those types of invaluable things that you're trying to place a value on, as an attorney, do you present those differently when you're speaking to a, a jury? Sure. Who probably seek value in it versus maybe just a judge. You know, when you're not doing a trial yeah. case, you know, is that different? Does it weigh differently? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got to remember when you're talking to a judge, it's a lawyer. Mm-hmm. It's somebody who has legal training. Um, they've heard numerous trials, right? Because even if they're not the decider, we call in in the law, the jury's the fact finder. Who's the finder of fact? Is it a judge? In some cases, it's a bench trial, and that would be in front of a judge. And then there are other times where you're, and most of the time, and and certainly most of the time in the cases we handle, our fact finder is a jury. So you have 12 people who are called to unanimously agree on something, and it absolutely is different. I think my experience has been typically that judges, um, because of the variety of cases they see and the good cases and good lawyering and not so good lawyering and just the frequency with which they see things, tend to be a little bit more on the conservative side when it comes to valuing cases. Um, and so, you know, and this is kind of an interesting thought too, is um, there's a lot of talk about runaway juries and the fact that juries are um, – returning verdicts that are well in excess of what is customary or Mm -hmm. normal or what we would think. I mean, we read about a hundred million dollar verdict in a death case or, you know, there was recently a billion dollar verdict against Ford um, this past year for a, for two people who were killed. Oh, they were killed in a rollover in a, I think it was a Ford. It may not have been an F-150. It may have been a 350, but anyway, um, and it's so a big old truck. It's a big truck. A billion dollars. Was, I think it was one point six billion for two people. And um, Ford uh, had declined the plaintiff's lawyer's um, offer to try that case to a judge. They said, "Nope, we want our jury trial." Wow. And now 
That's uh, rare. I bet right? they where people are like, that. no, let's go to jury. I think what I've seen, um, so in just my own experience, um, we've tried we've tried bench trials um, before, and I think the upside of trying your case to a judge is you have one person to convince. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you have a good case, um, generally speaking, the judge is going to follow the law and. If it, again, if it's a good case, I think you're more than likely going to win your case. The the um, what you're giving up, I think, is the potential for a verdict that is a full verdict for the damages sometimes, sure. okay. or mm-hmm. what you may think is a full verdict for the damages. Regular folks, if they're hearing um, about very bad conduct or a refusal to accept responsibility for one's actions, for example, you cause a wreck. There's no dispute that the wreck was the other person's fault, but we're going to quibble about the amount of damages or the severity of the loss or the significance of the damages. Um, Those are the cases that, in my experience, often end up in a trial. Juries don't like that, and they'll oftentimes award or return a verdict um, much larger because they want to punish yeah. Even though that's not their responsibility, the defendant mm-hmm. of the person they want to they want to punish the at fault party. So yeah. as a plaintiff, someone who is kind of defending the person who was hurt, mm-hmm. and you're suing like a Ford. Sure, you want a jury trial, but a Ford, I would wouldn't, think wouldn't right? because they're not personable to a jury. Often, like I would almost think that I would argue against it. I'm like, they're going to see me as the big man here, right. you know, and like, this I is two money. people, probably a couple who had probably had children or something. Or a whole life like it's ahead a of human. Them. And then you're talking about big old Ford who makes 9,000 F-350s a month, you know, <laughs> like I'd be like, pay a billion dollars, like whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know? No, I mean, I think, so it's interesting with the law. Um, at the end of every case, the judge decides what is the applicable law to the case and and then charges the jury on what the law in the state of Georgia is. Okay. And so one of the charges that the judge is going to give the jury is uh, not to show sympathy for either side. And so I've heard it explained this way, that you're going to treat a little old lady like Walmart, and you're going to treat Walmart like a little old lady, okay. right? And so financial considerations are not to be part of the consideration. Now, practically speaking... Are we going to get 12 people who are on our jury to completely think that way? Probably not. Yeah. Um, I'd be the worst jury. (laughs) (laughs) You're breaking Laura's heart up. I know. I'm like, Grandma is not a Walmart. (laughs) I love Grandma. I've never. You've never been picked for jury duty? No. I've never even been interviewed. I've never been requested. (laughs) I think think somebody. Laura Ferrari. (laughs) Never. Never, ever. I really think (laughs) that, like, I have been lost in the naming system somewhere. Where like I've also never like, been. like I've been, I just want to be I've wanted, you know. It's, I don't want to do it. <laughs> and I think just be yeah, just I would, be asked. I would like to be considered. It would be like, like a little knock to my, to my ego. Duty. Like yeah. you know, I may be sick that day, <laughs> but I would like to have my name called. Like I think I really did. I got dropped behind the filing cabinet. Like somebody's going to discover my little ballot back there. I'm like oh, yeah. look at this little lady. <laughs> no, I've been picked. I mean, I've been called. I've at least gotten the summons to appear. I, I think know four times. Four yeah. times. And now I've only gotten to go down there once, and I, I was probably the most excited person to be there. That would give me a little bit. <laughs> Look at me because yeah. that murder. Right, right. It was, it I'm here. Murder. Just whispering to your other lo- the other jurors. <laughs> I, I'm a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. No so I got I got to go down there, and um, so you watch a video. This was in Fulton County, and 
you go in and again everybody's milling in upset and I was just beaming I was so happy and then I got to go in with the judge <laughs> and answer questions How did was it a judge you knew um I was familiar with her as uh, judge Sean Lagrua who was a trial judge and now she's an appellate judge um and um she was there and very pleasant and I got to you know answer and the defendant was there and it was a, um, I think it was a armed robbery case. So, yeah, but did un- you get picked? Un- alas, I did not. No. Is it because you're a lawyer? Like, you do know, lawyers not get picked for juries? No, that's not true. Um, I think it depends. You know, strategically, it depends on the case. So, uh-huh. in an injury case, um, if I had a lawyer um, on the jury, I mean, if it's somebody who defends personal injury cases, I probably would strike that person. Okay, um, I would try and get rid of them. Um, but if it's somebody who does something completely different, maybe not, you know, because... Like what, if you're a family lawyer, you might be like, meh. Yeah, you may want them. I know we've had in the past, I can't remember any cases. I want to say there have been cases that I've tried where we did have either a lawyer or a paralegal. What can be good about that is, um, remember what I was, I know what it was. It was a trial that we had who somebody's wife was a paralegal. And so remember okay. what I said about at the end of the case, the judge is going to tell them this is the law. you got to follow it. And, again, you're relying on these people to listen to the judge's instructions and do what the judge says. Which, um, as humans, we all like to follow instructions. <laughs> yes. Right. We are all rule Not followers all, by right. nature. Right. We all are. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so I think it can be uh, good to have that to kind of keep the jury on the rails, so to speak, and not going off and thinking about things that – they shouldn't be talking about. For yeah, example, you know, was the you know victim wearing their seatbelt, or is the defendant covered by insurance, or who paid for the medical bills? You know, things like that that the law says they're not to consider. They always want to consider, or they'll say, "Well, I'm familiar with that intersection," and you know, or do a drive-by and you know see what it looked like at yeah. three o'clock in the morning. Or mm-hmm. or so. I would be that person. I would, I would, be, like, I would be the person. <laughs> like, let me inspect everything. everything they did that day. Right, right, yeah. I mean, yep. and, and you know, and that happens. And um, we have a podcast about it. somewhere. <laughs> I've been banned from being called. I'm like really thinking you deep are, on yeah, this. I'm like, what I do? You just need to move to a different county. Yeah, I've you lived in different counties. In certain in the county you live in, right? That's right. Yes, I've lived in Forsyth for like ten years. Like, surely my name's come up. Nope. Like once. No. no. Well, down in Fulton, where I live, um, they um, bigger. There's well, yes, and they're also starting the Young Thug trial. I don't know if y'all have followed any of that. Yes. But, so interestingly, he lived. Uh, his house was around the corner from my house, and so I'm fairly certain I used to see him walking his daughter to school. Oh, um, and so anyway, his trial's supposed to start. I think it started last week, maybe, and it's supposed to go for nine months. So be wow. lucky that you didn't get picked. Yeah, to maybe, go maybe I should be, be grateful trial. that like it's not something that's going to like disrupt my life forever. So right. like, but. question about <laughs> that and the rules and laws around like obviously the people who are on a jury for that they have lives, right? So yeah. what happens to them? That's a really good question, and that's a big topic um, for the jury selection. So um, I was actually on the phone with a friend of mine who we are working a case together and we went down um, last week for a depo and we were talking deposition in a case in this case that we've got and we were talking he said his brother got called in for that trial. Wow. And he's you know he's got a job and, and so um, I think they pay I think it's $25 a day is the compensation that you wow. pay. Wow. Um, and so you're right it's what do you do if you one, I mean, if you're living 
if if you if you're not independently wealthy um and you have a Daycare job costs more than $25 right. a day the gas and parking alone to get down there yeah. plus a meal is going to eat that up so um so what ends up happening is you're not getting a cross section of the community right so mm-hmm. in that trial um you're going to lose people who are single moms or yeah. single dads um, you're going to lose people who have jobs, um, hourly employees, and people who, you know, you can request a hardship from the judge. Um, and, you know, but everybody's got some hardships. So it's, it's you know, it has to rise to a certain level. And I can't remember what the, you know, what the legal requirements are. But the unfortunate thing about a tr- big trial like that is not everybody can afford to be on jury duty. Yeah. No. Who well, pays I mean, that? I'm sorry. Yeah, no. Go on. Uh, the Fulton taxpayers. So it's oh, it just does. part okay. of, you know, is paying our property taxes and other taxes in the, city, in the I guess, city of Atlanta, Fulton County. Then that goes to the, the county to, to pay for that. But, gotcha. again, we're pay, we're talking $25 a day. Yeah. So we but I don't know if that came out. Right. Like we can afford it. But even, <laughs> yeah. like, a three-week trial, like, that can set – Sure. Most people back a lot. Like, are there certain like laws, regulation? Like, I don't know. Like, like I'm trying what to if do, I like... got picked for a nine month jury? What do I tell my boss? Yeah, I mean, I think. Uh... Like, hey, hey, sorry, I'm on call... Young Thug's it's trial. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Yeah, well, call me if that happens, and I'll tell you the magic words to say. Okay, uh, noted. You know, it's um, you're right. I mean, it, for for most people. The cost of their civic doing their civic duty is cost prohibitive. Yeah. Um, and so, wow, you know, know, and so I was reading, I'm trying to think who I was, I read something recently. Oh, I know what it was. It was about somebody who was on the Atlanta Public Schools um, cheating scandal trial from, I think it was about a decade ago, maybe mm-hmm. less. And that was one of the, I think that may have been the longest um, trial in, you know, Fulton County history. I think it was a, six to eight month long trial. Wow. And these people were saying, you know, basically I would get done with my trial and go home and just work, you know, Mm -hmm. until the next day I had to be in court for, for the case. So they're still working both. They're doing both. Yeah. But I mean, if you have a job where your, you know, hours are from nine to five, um, it's impossible. And the judge Mm -hmm. has the uh, authority to excuse certain people if you're, for example, a caretaker of, you know, young children or... You have to apply for that exclusion? Yeah, Yeah, for the exclusion. Exclusion. Yeah. You would would ask the judge when you're called in for jury duty, the judge would ask, um, she or he would say, you know, who here has got, you know, a legal reason that they cannot serve and I'm taking care of a sick babies. (laughs) (laughs) Like my daycare bill alone. Well, and then you also have to think too, um, so the judge has the ability, has an unlimited number of people that she or he can excuse from the jury pool uh, for those reasons. Um, As the lawyers... There are two types of ways to get rid of jurors. So you have um, your strikes for cause. So Mm -hmm. a legal reason that somebody would not be fit to serve on your jury. For example, um, your brother is a defendant in the case... Uh, Conflict Rebecca, of interest. You should not be on that jury. Probably not. Really <laughs> let's me. try it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it depends on how nice he was to you exactly. when you were yeah. little. Like, yeah. Um, so that would be one reason uh, that you can be excluded. So that that's an example. Or um, somebody who says, um, 
there's no way I can be fair based on my life experience. So, for example, mm-hmm. a nurse uh, who's picked to come in on a medical malpractice trial um, would, if we're you know being honest, probably is going to lean a little bit toward the defendant, uh, the defendant doctor in that case. And when all things being equal, when they're evaluating the evidence, they're going to have, because of their background, because of their life experience, because of what they do, it's not going to make them a good fit for the case because they're not going to evaluate it fair and impartially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that is what we would call – that that person would be excused for cause okay. because we want a fair and impartial jury. And if we have people who have leanings because of their life experience toward one side or another, um, we don't want those people on the, the jury. We want clean slates. And uh, so when we're picking juries – we want to establish for those jurors who cannot be fair and impartial, if we can prove to the judge that based on the answers that they give in response to our questions, we can get rid of as many people as the judge will grant those strikes. Um, the other types of challenges that exist when we're, getting, when we're picking our jury are called peremptory challenges. And those are strikes that you can use in any legal, in any legal um, uh, as long as you have a legal justification for it. And what I mean is, you can't strike people for a legally impermissible reason. For example, their race, or because they're a woman, mm-hmm. um, or because they have a disability. Right? Those are the the law is that we don't want to use those um, uh, legally invalid reasons to get rid of people. And so, as long as you have a justification for getting rid of somebody, maybe they didn't say they're fair. Maybe they said, "Well, I'm a nurse, and this is a medical malpractice case, but I can be fair and impartial." Um, well, the judge is unlikely to excuse that person because they said they, they uttered the magic words, I can be fair and impartial, um, but I'm not going to let that person be a majority. Yeah. So I'm going to strike that person. And you get that power to be like, you know what, you Belinda, do. you're out. You're out. Except Great you, nurse. I'll see you at Northside. Yeah, we'll see you on the out. next case. Yeah. We'll see you on the armed robbery case. Hopefully yeah. I never <laughs> see you in the hospital. <laughs> So, but in, but you're limited in the number of strikes that you get. So you only get six. Wow! Uh, in a twelve-person jury, you're only going to get six of those. Each side gets a six. So what? So a you lot can of people, eliminate the whole jury between the two of you. So what happens is they bring oh, in they, they bring in typically in the Young Thug case. I think they're bringing in something like six hundred or eight hundred people. Right? And I'm not one of them. No. <laughs> you're not in Fulton <laughs> County. Oh. You gotta you gotta move across the border, but. Okay. Um, Come not doing to that. my end of the woods. No. You're I'm not even in. Out. You're in Cobb. I'm close. <laughs> I'm close. I'm oh, just okay. closer close. than you. <laughs> we, may, we may see it. We've got some cases over in Cobb, so yeah. maybe we'll see you on a... I mean, yeah. on, oh, hopefully... I'll, well, you guys have to pretend like you don't know each other. Your mouth's to God's ear. Like, please don't strike me. I know. I don't know Call you. Call her for a murder. That's please. what we want. That, yeah, well... It's not criminal. It's personal injury. Yeah. I, but it could I be murder. Want, no, I don't want like a... No. Yeah, it could. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Like Princess Diana? Yeah. So in wrongful death cases and a case I had, um, it ended up resolving, I think it was maybe last year. And it was a, I mean, it was a death. So, and in that case, um, somebody was criminally negligent. So it Mm -hmm. was a tractor trailer wreck. Um, It was a really sad case, actually. My client, um, so the wife of the man who died, uh, Jennifer, it was her birthday. Oh, and her husband had uh, come to work and brought her Chick-fil-A. They were going to go to lunch, and she was too busy or something. So he said, well, let me bring you lunch. And oh, he did. Man. And then he was on his way uh, to go get uh, a part for – he really enjoyed restoring cars. So he was going to get a part. And as he was driving down, Fulton Industrial, a tractor trailer, pulled out. 
was blocking both lanes of travel, and uh, our client did what's called an underride. Uh, so he tried to avoid it, and he goes underneath <gasps> and it sheared the top of his um, car van yeah. and killed him. Yeah, it was sad. So, so that case did have a criminal component to it because the truck driver uh, was criminally charged with negligence for vehicular homicide in the first degree. So there was a there was a um, parallel criminal case going on um, that took forever. It was in Fulton, and um, and so that was pending at the same time that our civil case on the wrongful death was pending. Do you file your cases where the injury accident occurred, not? Where people reside? It No, actually just the opposite. So it depends. There are – so what we're talking about in that is what's the proper venue? Where mm-hmm. do we want to sue? So um, so one of the things that we have to figure out is what's the proper forum or venue for a suit. Generally speaking, when we're suing people like in a car wreck or a premises case, so, you know, trip and fall or we, – we don't typically call those trip and falls um, – like a fall case or yeah. an unsafe condition case, um, it's where um, it's where the office of the business is. So where uh-huh. where are they based? Um, in some cases, it's going to be the registered agent. The registered agent is the person that's designated to accept a lawsuit if a lawsuit's filed. Where is the registered agent based? Um, but if it's where the injury occurred, as long as the company that we're suing has an office there mm. uh, in that county, then we can sue there. And there are certain other uh, rules that apply. In some cases, it can be depending on if the driver who caused a wreck is out of state, you can potentially sue in the county in which the wreck occurred. But you're usually looking at we're going to go to the law books mm-hmm. um, and see what the law is on where the suit's filed. Again, if you do it long enough, you know, generally speaking, where that can be. Yeah, um, but for the for the newly initiated, yeah, you'd look at the books and see what do the statutes say as to where suits filed. So, you know, it's I never thought about that. No, and I'm like, either. what if I'm like driving down 75? I'm yeah. in Florida. I right. something happens. I get in a car wreck. It's not my fault. And <laughs> it's is. a it's a semi truck <laughs> from Michigan. You know, I'm yeah, in Georgia. I got injured in Florida, and they're based in Michigan. Like, where are we going to trial? So <laughs> that's a really interesting. So that was one of my favorite topics in the class I did the very best in in law school. Um, um, was civil procedure, and so that's what we humble call brag. A civil, uh, <laughs> that's, that's a humble Nobody brag. likes a show off. James. I did the best. <laughs> yeah, humble brag, but um, I didn't say I didn't say what my grade was. It was just the one I did the best in. True, see, lots of skill. Yeah, so it could be anything. But I, I appreciate yes. the assumption that it was a good grade. It's open for interpretation. Um, so, um, but anyway, the, what's interesting about that is so that that is a huge piece of. The strategy that goes into filing a lawsuit mm-hmm. is where and and who we name in a lawsuit, um, and so um, in that case that I was talking about with the truck, it was based out of Nebraska, and the truck driver was based out of Kansas, oh. and the in- and that was an interesting case too because normally you cannot name the insurance company as a defendant um, in a lawsuit, um, but in Cases involving tractor trailers and large trucks, there are certain rules that allow you to do that. And so our insurance company, again, was an out-of-state. I want to say they were based out of Connecticut. So where do you file that case? Right. Um, We had filed it in Fulton County um, because that's where the wreck occurred. Mm -hmm. But the case ended up in federal court um, in the Northern District of Georgia in front of Judge Lee Martin May. So, um, So... 
when you have cases with out-of-state parties, um, you, as plaintiff's lawyers, we're very wary about where are we going to end up because a lot of times we'll end up in federal court. Now, I mean, I'm admitted to practice in federal court, um, but that's its own special kind of designation that you have to go through the steps to get approved to do. So That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, like if you did get in a situation where it was either federal court or it was state of Nebraska, sure. like then do you wind up trying to find a party there to yeah. work on your Assist team? with you. Yeah. 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 So I so our practice is interesting in the sense that we have a national practice. I mean, we're based here in Georgia. Most of our cases are in Georgia. But before I came to do your lovely podcast today, I was working on a case down in Florida. Oh. Um, so I have cases um, really all over the country. I've handled them in Arkansas. I've got one in Maryland. I have one in Florida. I finished one last year in Ohio. Um, I think Roberts had my law partner um, one over in Alabama. Um, we've done North Carolina, South Carolina. We've got one in Tennessee. So wow. Um, so you know, any good case, um, there's a couple of things that you know clients are looking at, and I think the most important is, do they like the lawyer? You know, yeah. is the lawyer competent? Um, because um, the relationships I have, and if somebody finds me and they say, I've got a case, but it happened in, you know, Hawaii, um, then I'm going to do what it, I, if they have a good relationship with me, I'm going to be there. I'm going to do the work. And You're going to go to Hawaii? I will, I will fall on that sword for that client. I mean, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, like, Darn. Um, yeah. You know, Snap. Hawaii or Texarkana, Arkansas, um, <laughs> you know, one in the same, but, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <seen> <laughs> <it>. <laughs> um, but you know, so we will associate typically a lawyer because I'm not licensed in any of those states. Some states will have reciprocity where you can um, apply to uh, be a member of that bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, Georgia has that with certain states. But, you know, you, you have to pay uh, money each year to maintain that bar membership. Right. So I'm licensed in the state of Georgia, and I've handled these cases in other states. So oftentimes we'll just associate what we call local counsel, um, who's familiar with the judges, who's familiar with the juries, uh, and is familiar with kind of the procedural pieces of it. Um, to work on the case together. And then that way the client has the lawyer, you know, me, um, that they hired who is here locally, can meet with them, um, work with their doctors to make sure the case is ready for trial. And then we'll have the local lawyer and we can oftentimes kind of share the load. And that makes, it makes everybody's job better and the end product a lot better because ultimately that's the goal, right, is to do the best for our client. Yeah. Um, are those attorneys that you work with in those cases, are they other personal injury attorneys or do they oftentimes that is their business? They are like, hey, I'm an Arkansas attorney for hire for all out-of-state cases. <laughs> yeah. um, I think generally speaking, they're personal injury lawyers um, because I don't want to associate somebody on a case that's not going to bring value to the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and it depends on the case. So the Ohio case, for example, there were a lot of kind of complicated legal issues that came up in the case. Um, and, you know, so this was a case where um, our client lived in Griffin. Um, she went up to a warehouse in Ohio to do some work. Uh, they were attempting to move a piece of heavy equipment. And um, as they were moving it, it completely fell apart. Um, it landed on her leg and nearly cut it off. Oh, wow. Um, but, you know, but for the grace of God, one of the fo- folks that, um, one of her co-workers that was with her was, uh, had um, served uh, in the military um, in conflict, so he was familiar with, 
you know, like catastrophic triage. triage yeah. And, yeah, exactly. So they saved her. They were, she was fortunate to be within, you know, 15, 20 minutes of a level one trauma center. So they managed to save her leg. Um, but in that case, there were a lot of complicated issues as to the, you know, what status do we afford somebody who's here on our property, but not really doing any work for our property. They're doing it for somebody else. And so there was a lot of complicated, like, legal stuff. So it was really helpful to have somebody familiar with what Ohio law was, whose sure. exclusive area is that. But, you know, to your point, um, Laura's like, I've also had cases where business cases, and that's mm-hmm. not really my specialty, two businesses suing each other over, you know, a breach of contract. Um, but this was a case that uh, originated in Texas, and then they needed, the, the court in Texas said, this case should not have been brought in Texas. It needs to be in Atlanta. Oh. And just happenstance, I had a case in um, where a client was injured on a motorcycle, and then the people that we were suing, the business, ended up going bankrupt. And they filed their bankruptcy in Texas, and so um, and so I had to handle the. I'm still handling this bankruptcy matter in in Texas, but I had talked with this lawyer in Texas, and so he said, "Well, we've got one. Can we get you involved with it?" So it was a business case, mm-hmm. and I was just the local counsel. And in that case, I didn't really do anything other than say, "This, you know, you missed a comma here. Or this is the wrong. You misspelled <laughs> the judge's send name send <laughs> right. for right. you, so, so it came from Georgia. Yeah, or we need to make sure that X, Y, right. and Z happens, and you know, before the judge gets mad at everybody. So, um, but generally speaking, it's going to be somebody who does what I do. That area, that a- same yeah. area. It's just they happen to have the bar license in the state in which the case is pending. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. I was trying to say there's like a new like you know business route you could go in. Yeah. Don't know, you know, just be an attorney for no, hire. Think, you know. I mean, the, yeah, it's a whole new model. The danger right? in that, though, is, you know, in that model would be only that, you know, we're licensed to practice law, but that license can be revoked. And, right. And, and so what you are competent that like, and being able to someone told us this on an episode, Laura. I like know you I'm hearing are, it. It's part of your like oath is that you can practice law to the best of your ability within that like vertical of law. That's true. Yeah. So, I mean, so like doctors, right, we're held to a standard of care, right? And so a doctor has to um, perform procedures or operations or treatment that is within the accepted medical standard. And when we deviate from that, we fall below the standard of care, then that's negligence. And it's the same thing with the legal um, world. For example, um, if I'm going to bring a lawsuit, well, I don't have unlimited time to do that. In Georgia, um, the state, the statute of limitations, meaning the last day that I can bring a lawsuit for personal injury, absent certain exceptions, is two years. Well, if I'm an out-of-state lawyer, uh, or I can give you a better example. So if I'm an out-of-state lawyer and I don't know that rule, um, for example, if I'm a Georgia lawyer and I have a case in Tennessee and I say, well, I've got two years to file this case, mm. and uh, a year goes by and I'm getting close to the two-year mark and I file it, well, Tennessee has a one-year statute of limitations on personal injury cases. So if I forget or didn't know um, that there's a one-year statute in, in that state and I drop the ball and the client now has no remedy, uh, well, that's malpractice. Yeah. So um, – It was Lindley. Lindley probably Lindley. shared this yeah. knowledge that's with us. A Lindley. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a Lindley nugget. <laughs> that was like, ah, it's all coming back to yeah, me now. No, I'm for like, sure. So, so I mean, so as a as a doctor, 
Um, I'm going to tell her that. Oh, God. last names. He knew exactly who we were talking about. Um, So, you know, so as a doctor, uh, as long as I pass, you know, or as long as I go to medical school, I can I can practice in whatever area. But um, if I'm not if someone's not board certified, I'm probably not going to go to them to have a facelift or to have heart surgery. Yeah. Um, Same thing with lawyers. Right. If you're. Uh, and, and unfortunately, a lot of lawyers, because personal injury can be um, a good way to make a living, um, you know, people see the the big numbers and they think, oh, well, I want a piece of that. Yeah. Um, but there's so many things that, you know, I equate it to walking through a minefield. You don't know where the mines are buried if mm-hmm. you don't do this. And so it's very easy to not know what it, it, the expression goes, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And so it's very important to... You know, either train under somebody and learn as you go, and it's a multi-year process of learning it. Um, but for the uninitiated to just get in and say, well, I'm going to do personal injury and, and kind of do it on your own, you do that at your own peril because if you mess something up, I mean, it's it's malpractice and you can be sued. So to your point, Rebecca, about you know this vertical, yeah, I'm, gonna, I, I'm comfortable doing a variety of injury cases, whether that's a premises case, an unsafe condition, um, a product defect, you know, something that's made incorrectly or the design of it was dangerous or a trucking case. But I'm not going to go out and write somebody's will. Right. You know, or I'm not going to go do – I don't do any – You're going to go defend like some mass murderer because right. that's just not – Right. You're not going right. to defend me on my traffic ticket? <laughs> I thought we were friends. For you, I would do that. That, that I feel Traffic tickets I feel like are a different yeah. game. Occasionally – That's uh, not me on the red light camera, sir. Yeah. Occasionally I'll get called by a doctor to go get uh, him or her out of a speeding ticket, and I will do that from time to time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's but, good. Uh, we, we heard it here on the we, podcast. It's live. <laughs> we have it under – it's like a it's like a freak thing for me. I think I would die. Like I have such a paranoia about like traffic violation. Like I haven't had knock on wood. Like no, I, I like, never had no a not like in, like a, so long. There was like fourteen years ago. I said I will never get in trouble ever again. Like for a traffic <laughs> because it was I like ran a red light and I was like that ain't me on the red light. But you could it? see me in the truck it and it was there was a photo. it was yellow. It was and you kept going. Yeah, and that like ticket man was like it was red yellow for like two point three six seven seconds, and I'm like. Oh. Like, out of here. So was it yellow when I crossed the line? Yeah. Oh no, it totally was. I was like so, but anyway. But like I made like when I had my my oldest daughter, I was like I will never get a traffic ticket, and I I have not, and it freaks me out. It wigs me out. I don't want it on my record. Yeah. I think I would make the cop feel so bad. I would just like burst into tears, and he wouldn't know what was happening. I'm like, you don't understand. I mean, uh, <laughs> you say that. Fifteen now. years ago, I would never get in trouble. Yeah. And now you're gonna walk out of here, and I'm gonna oh, get a, well, I'm gonna get a ticket. Not. Yeah. Hopefully not. Oh my gosh. It like wigs me out. I'm like. Only my husband one gets them. In my life, I think I was going 95 and a 65. Oh my god! I was following. I was going with the speed of traffic. Okay, <laughs> the person in front of me was going quickly, and I too was following her. And this cop, I didn't know they could do this, by the way. Apparently, you tell me if they can. But he <laughs> got behind me, and he had his lights on, so I pulled over. But then he kept going to get her. And oh, I would have left her over. So I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't for me. <laughs> and then he. Well, he, he came after you then. Yeah, and, what? He was not around. happy with me. He's pointing at me. He's like, get over. The, see, the last time I got in trouble, besides that little trouble, he called me stupid. And I was yeah, so offended. He like, He's like, like, are you stupid? Did you not see what I was telling you to do? I'm like. And I was like, I don't I think that's stupid. I know you could pull over two people at one time. I just right. see mine. I couldn't I, see him. I don't read mine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I, what was I supposed to yeah, do? Yeah, working you on your pants, mine, dude. <laughs> I pulled over. You kept going. Like I, I would vouch for that. 
Yeah. Maybe probably, we pulled over. Was it on 75? Was it in Florida? Um, no, it was in uh, like Missouri or something. Oh, no. Nope. I, I was know, in the middle of nowhere, Florida. Who knows? But Missouri. like, can they do that? <laughs> it's, a, it's God's. <laughs> who knows? Anyway. It's so, not a record anyway. It's in Missouri. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Can't, can't help you there. <laughs> 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 I know. I anyway, I don't know. Sidebar. Anyway, so obviously you can't be an experienced lawyer without picking up a few interesting cases along the way. And you've told us about a few of them that you have had. Sure. But what would you say is the most interesting case that you have had to work on? Oh, that is tough. Um, I would say probably the case that's most interesting right now um, because of how incredibly um, callous some of the decision-making was and what led up to it is certainly in the top uh, echelon of cases that, that I've had that are interesting. So um, my, it's actually my partner's um, mainly been kind of driving the case, um, but we've teamed up to work on it together. Um, so some of the larger cases that we have, you know, they really require two sets of folks working on them um, because there's just so much that needs to be done, um, whether that's working with expert, expert witnesses, um, depositions of just fact witnesses. Um, in injury work, you have the people who were present and know the facts of what led up to the injury. Mm -hmm. um, so those are fact witnesses. And then you have people who are um, the expert witnesses for medical treatment. So somebody has a major injury, you're going to have to get with the doctors and figure out, well, what was the injury? What did you do to make this person at least better or treat them? And then you have the paid experts um, who are people who come in and kind of evaluate, how did this happen? You yeah. know, who dropped the ball? Why did, you know, why did this happen? And so, um, and, and, you know, or you may have somebody who's got to calculate the losses over, the next 50 years, you know, and that's, I, like I said, I was a history and political science major, not a math major. So figuring out these numbers, <laughs> um, I'm going to hire an economist who's, you know, got a PhD in, in economics to, to figure those things out. And so, um, so these big cases, so this case we have right now, um, in, uh, September of 2020, uh, so right after Labor Day, uh, there's an apartment complex, um, down in Dunwoody, and this was in the news, and, they um, they had been getting reports over the years of a persistent smell of gas, of mm. natural gas in the um, in the community, and people would, you know, be walking their dog, uh, checking the mail, taking their garbage out, and they'd say, "Man, it smells." So this one morning, um, there were a number of tenants at the apartment complex who were reporting to management. It was a Sunday morning. Um, so sleepy Sunday morning in, you know, uh, end of summer, and people were reporting the smell of gas, um, which was kind of par for the course. And as part of that, um, they sent out a maintenance man, and he said, okay, I fixed it, and tenants continued to complain about it. And, in fact, one of the tenants, they had emailed the property management and said, it smells so strongly of natural gas out in the hallway I'm concerned that if somebody lights a match, the building's going to blow up. Wow. Whoa. And so, um, so around 1 o'clock, the building's going to open. Uh, the leasing office is going to open. Um, but the leasing agent gets there a little bit early. You know, she's a good employee in the sense that she gets to work, you know, before. Early. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Clock's in a little early. So before she gets time. there. And she's overwhelmed by the smell of natural gas. Natural gas, as you know, um, has is odorless. Yeah. Except um, for safety, they add 
the smell of rotten eggs so mm-hmm. that you can detect a gas leak. Mm-hmm. Sure. All right. So yeah. that's something they I add. just learned that yeah, like two, weekends they, they, that two weekends ago. Two weekends ago. I know. It was, it was just a topic of conversation. Oh, I'm interested to it know It wasn't why. from my story about... Oh, they started smelling this <laughs> no. leak. <laughs> no. No, no, no. It was a gas leak. And then anyway, I don't know. Dads are grateful. Like, like a... Just a plethora of knowledge, and my useless dad. Knowledge. Well, you were gonna yeah. say useless information. I know, I but know my learned. daddy might listen <laughs> to me. But it was that it was a gas leak, Very blah blah useful. blah. And then he was like, "You know, natural gas doesn't even have a smell." I'm like, "Yeah, it does, Dad. That's how we know there's a gas leak." Yep. And he's like, "No, no, that's why you know we they put the smell in there." Right. The gas company yeah. adds the the stinky smell. So anyhow, His so job was that to come up with the smell. They come up with a smell, smell like yeah. something else. Like but you, no, but yeah. well, then what would be the point? Because you're like, mm, it smells like roses in here. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Is that no. cologne? <laughs> when it smells like rotten eggs, you're going to complain and yeah. be like, yeah. this ain't right. Or like you have a stinky apartment that it's like, turn on the gas. Let's make it smell better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nature's for breeze. <laughs> Blow out the pilot light. <laughs> so, uh, so anyhow, so the, um, the, the leasing agent comes on. She's overwhelmed with the smell of gas, calls the gas company, and they say to her, they say, ma'am, you got to get everybody out of the building. It's, you know, this is a crisis. Get everybody out and, and leave. And so um, what she does is she gets her coworker who's there with her. And the two of them go, and they go sit in her car for the next thirty minutes. And she and there are text messages, and they have the ability to notify all of the residents through an app and say, "Hey, evacuate the Get building." Out. Yeah. There's a fire alarm on the way out. I was, there's like a thousand things you could have done. Done anything other than go Honk sit your in your horn. car. Honk your horn. Knock on any doors. Do anything. So for the next thirty minutes, she and her coworker. Um, proceed to just sit in the car, texting and playing Mulling on the phone, about what they're going to do, thinking about you know what their what their day is going to look like, and then there's a text. Like this Sunday says, just got crazy. Yeah, it <laughs> says the building just blew up. I heard about this. <gasps> I I didn't know any. No, I knew about this this apartment complex is happening. I did not know that part of it. Yeah, that's part. But of I it. heard so, about the gas leak in the apartment complex. Yeah, so like, this was in the news, and mm-hmm. so anyway, so our client, unfortunately, it was his apartment. Oh, and really nice guy. One no. single, was he like sick for a while too, like headaches or something? No, no. Um, so what we've learned, um, what we believe is there was a um, – so building law or building code requires that you have um, any gas line that's not being used, that's not hooked up to an appliance like a water heater mm. um, or a furnace – you have to put a cap on it, and these things are like seventy-five cents. Um, it's just a piece of metal. It's got threads. You would just screw Twist it, it on. on there. It's easy. Seventy-five well, cents, right? Yeah. yeah, seventy-five cents to do it. And so um, we've learned that dozens of um, gas lines in this apartment complex were uncapped. And so all that needs to happen is somebody it's like fifteen bucks, right? <laughs> like yeah, basically. Yeah. And so basically, what ends up happening is you know somehow the the line gets opened oh. you know because it was behind his dryer so you know who knows if the dryer's like right. moving. moving it opened the gas line and um poured gas in and so he's in there and he says you know basically a fireball goes off and um, he's like frying some eggs and just he was working at his computer oh at his desk God. and just wow. boom and um catastrophic burns oh and, no um, you know v- vietnam vet um, oh, so no. this guy's just salt of the earth, you know, served in Vietnam, Purple Heart. Um, and so the amount of things that have happened in, in his life, but not not a complainer, um, just kind of goes with it. And it's just the, the you know. This and might so, be a cause for some kind of a complaint. 
Right? Just like, I think you... You just roll um, it with the punches yeah. on this one. No, I mean, oh, what a gracious goodness. dude. So, uh, he's, you know, he was at Grady for months and made a very good recovery. I mean, obviously, he's still... He's a burn victim. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, his, that doesn't impact the amount of recovery dollars he's entitled to just because you make a good right. like, physical recovery. Like, Yeah. I mean, in his case, you know... It's if you saw him, you would know that he went through a pretty bad sure. burn. I yeah. mean, fortunately, his face was you know unscathed, but um, elsewhere, I mean, I think he had like forty six percent of his body. Holy burned. moly! And there was more apartments that you guys un like that was uncovered that had yeah. uncapped pipes, so it could have happened yeah. to could have happened to anybody. Anybody? Yeah, it yeah. So it just happened to happen to him, and um. It, you know, and again, there were, and what was also unfortunate about it is you, you had an entire building blow up. So think about that for a moment. You can't go back in to get anything out of your apartment. So all these mm-hmm. people who weren't physically injured, I mean, they lost everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and what the apartment complex ended up doing was uh, said, okay, well, we'll give you, you know, you're not going to move back in. We'll give you a voucher for like oh, a hotel a or something for a few weeks. Well, thank and you. then you know, and then good luck, you know, have this a nice life. At least mm-hmm. they could have the, done. The worst part about it is like there was plenty of indication. It was a you know, like there was complaints. Fix. Like it, I, I can, I don't. 75 cent. It was somebody's sure. job to fix it. But at some sure. point you're like, oh, maybe if nobody detected it and it just happened like, wow, still right. negligent on whomever should have been capping them. But like for a You've whole building complaints. of people to right. be complaining. Mm. Yeah. For, and uh, I mean, particularly that morning. And then you have. This is why company. we wouldn't make a good jury because we're <laughs> yeah. so like. Yeah. I'm sure, you don't want to move the full count. Yeah. Get them. Um, Let's punish them. <laughs> so, um, so anyhow, so that case is still winding its way through the court system. We're hopeful that that case will get uh, called to trial um, later has, this year. This was 2020. That happened. in we, 2020. I think we yeah. talked about this being on the news. Like, yeah. I remember it seeing. Still it. hasn't been gone. Like, it's still going on. It still hasn't sorry, gone to 2021. jury. 2021. Yes. But still, that's still. But still, that's like two years ago. Yeah, it, you're right. And so, yeah, it happened in 2021. Um, last year, um, did a we did a lot of depositions, um, and so now we're at a point where we're starting to do the expert witness work. So we have engineers who went and looked at the building, figured out one of the things they have to do is what's called an origin and cause. Why, why did this happen? So, it, you know, no one says, oh, it was the gas leak. We had to figure that out. Um, and so that's the next step. Plus, there's life care planning. What does this gentleman need for the remaining yeah. remainder of his life expectancy to make sure, you know, that he's going to have the best chances of staying well recovered in his recovery. So do you have, like, sub-cases, too, for, like, say, yeah. Yeah, like, all the other, like, building inhabitants who are like, hey, I also yeah. So uh, we Pikachu. don't. Yeah, yeah we, we don't. I mean, I think the, the challenge in those cases is, you know, how do you itemize what, I mean, we all, well, I don't, I lived in an apartment at one point, and so. I, I didn't you know, have much. Yeah, I didn't have much either, so. <laughs> and I had, like, my baby photos and stuff. Yeah, so, you know. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think Things I that had were important that. to yeah. me. No yeah. I had, like, blankets This don't have a lot of value, so. <laughs> yes. um So people are handling those. We're not handling any of them. You know, our focus is on But our there client. are some. Yeah, yeah there's some the of those. Client. So what happened to this really amazing employee who showed up to work early but then went and sat in her car for 30 minutes like sure. does she hold any type of responsibility yeah. or because she worked for the company it's all Ooh, yeah like is that criminal you know, negligence a, on her part that's a really great question um Thank because you. it's um because it, you're welcome <laughs> um, so i mean it's a really great question because um the answer to that is she is 
liable, um, but she's an employee. So the so in Georgia, um, and and Georgia's not the only state like this. Um, if you're doing something on the job for your company, the company chooses who it hires and fires, mm-hmm. and so the company is liable um, for the negligence of its employees. Um, and so if they act or they fail to act, the company is liable if that person acted or failed to act negligently. So the company is liable for what she did. She was on the job. It was her workday started. This was part of her job duties to take care of residents, and she flubbed that Mm -hmm. incredibly. Um, So she is uh, liable. And, again, our cases uh, that we have, generally speaking, um, I mean, I can't think of a time we didn't have this, they're covered by insurance. I mean, then that's why we all have insurance. Absolutely, because yeah. at, you know, you live on this earth long enough, somebody's going to make a boneheaded decision or do something that was dumb. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we buy insurance. And this uh, apartment complex was no different. They have insurance. So while she's a party to our case, um, because she was, I think, did not do what a reasonable person would do under the circumstances. Yeah. And that's what negligence is, is mm-hmm. the failure to act as a reasonable person would under the circumstances. So I think, and I think we can convince 12 people that she did not act reasonably under the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the jury will have to decide what degree of fault is, uh, you know, belongs to her. Part of it is the decision making she made in the moments leading up to the explosion. Part of it is the company's decision making in not inspecting its units to make sure that it didn't have uncapped gas lines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's multiple factors that have to be evaluated. But yeah. at the end of the day, whatever the jury's determination is as to uh, negligence and damages um, will be paid by a by an insurance company. Well, That's just... We're going to add it as an interview question. Like, what would you do if... Just like to know what their soul is like. <laughs> like, what would you do? <laughs> yeah. Hopefully nobody like, in their right mind would publicly say, oh, I would sit I'm in my car. This is why I, I say it every show. This is why do? I want to get a crappy, like, sleazy lawyer. I we know. don't have any. We don't have any. Everyone <laughs> like, is I would so recommend good. my client not yeah. do anything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, my goodness. Okay. Wow, okay. Um... All right. So what would be like your most valuable piece of advice you would give to another lawyer who's coming into the business? Um, I think the most important thing people should do if you're a lawyer um, and you're new is ask for help. Um, Because like I said earlier, there's just there's there's so many things you don't know as a younger lawyer. Um, that you only learn from experience or near misses. Um, there have been occasions that, you know, something I was very worried about it and it ended up working itself out. But had, you know, I not looked at it a couple days, you know, had I looked at it a couple days later or not asked for advice, you know, what I decided to do may have been very different and may have been bad. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, because the practice of law, there's no – it's not like flying an airplane where there's a checklist of things to do. I mean there is in the sense of in every case you want to do, make sure you've done X, Y, and Z. But you can get away with it and not do you know, A, B, and C. Yeah. It, may, it may impact the case mm-hmm. um, or it may you know, make it harder to do. Um, but it's not – there's not a recipe book. Yeah. And so um, I think that – a lot of times people, particularly younger lawyers or people who, you know, they 
they're relying on a case. I mean, my income is contingent on trials and verdicts and settlements. Mm -hmm. And so no one's paying me to go to work today. You know, until a case settles, yeah. I mean, that's my motivation to work my cases. Absolutely. But I'm yeah. not, I don't have a steady paycheck. So when you're starting out and you don't have a steady stream of cases resolving or you just started your practice, it may be a six, eight month period before you get paid for the first time. Mm. Um, and so there may be this tendency to, I don't want to ask anybody for help or I don't want to associate um, another lawyer because I'm going to have to, you know, work out a payment arrangement where we're splitting, you know, that's just less money for me. That may be in the lawyer's best interest, but as what we call a fiduciary. So my duty to my client is is paramount. It's more important than my own personal self-interest. So my self-interest may be I want 100% of, you know, the fee that I'm going to earn on this case, but that's in the client's not their best interest, right? Yeah. They want they need a lawyer who is sophisticated and knows what the law is and what needs to be done. And so sometimes there can be a tendency of I'm going to keep it all for myself and not ask and cut, you know, cut corners, whether mm. that's intentional or unintentional. Yeah. Um, and it's a disservice to the client. So I would say, you know, if you don't know or you're not sure, there are, yeah, just ask. I mean, there are no short, there are, there's no shortage of crummy lawyers out there. But there's also no shortage of really good lawyers who want to impart their skills and their knowledge and their, you know, um, and want to be mentors. Um, and so I think a lawyer should find a mentor uh, to mm. help them navigate the the minefield. The minefield. Piece of advice that we've heard is like get a mentor because yes. yeah. they're mm -hmm. invaluable in helping you navigate the minefields. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that's mentorship is really important to me. Um, you know, I I had great mentors before I started my own practice, and then, you know, I I that's actually with the Georgia Trial Lawyers Association, which is our kind of trade organization, mm -hmm. so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I I am the one that runs that that program. So um, so that's a nice little plug for for the mentorship program. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, that's cool. So, yeah. This episode is brought to you by HyperChat Social, the attorney's social media marketing agency. From branding to lead generation, we have experts specializing in all areas of digital marketing, and we're ready to help you take your practice to the next level. Contact us today at 877-359-3399 or book a free consultation online at tryhyperchat.com. That's T-R-Y-H-Y-P-E-R-C-H-A-T dot com. Good. All right. So we have one final segment here, um, and Ooh. it is designed <laughs> to put you in the hot seat. Uh -oh. We call it our closing arguments. That's Glad I put my deodorant right. on this morning. Oh, <laughs> yeah. about to get sweaty in here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say. Um, we're playing a game with Plead the Fifth. Obviously, you're familiar with the phrase. Maybe hmm. we're going to ask you. <laughs> like, I don't know. I hope we're going to ask you three hard-hitting questions, and you can pass or plead the fifth. Okay. On only one of them. Okay. All right. All right. We've added some as we went. <laughs> we oh, did. No. That's what did we were. Oh, jeez. Yeah, oh. that's what we were <laughs> clicking, clacking. Shut my big mouth. Yeah. All right. All right, you wanna? I'll go. I'll go with the one that I first put in. Okay, you go for <laughs> okay. it. Okay. Um, oh my God, you. It's guys. not quite a plead the fifth, but. Um, <laughs> can you give me your best Georgia bulldog bark? Sure. Go dogs, sick them. 
Yeah, <laughs> I was thought I had him on that one. I was, you thought you had? You thought yeah, you, I thought he was going to come back and do that. Out there National so champions. Uh, what are you talking about? I've been mean, doing that for he 20 years. He is in like 20, the whole gap. Yeah, so. nothing about you gets embarrassed Dang. like doing that. Like, <laughs> 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 like what does the, what does the uh, Kentucky cats do? <laughs> 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 no, we don't. We sound more. We're sophisticated. Yeah, they just got glasses off tables. No, I mean, I just had like five. <laughs> not glasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, you're dry January. If this year's <laughs> right. in not January, he's Dang, dry was... January. We hope he right. was successful. Yeah. All right, you good. get him, Rebecca, since uh, I failed. Okay. Um, you've known your law partner since yes. law school. Right. Right? What's his worst habit? <laughs> oh, man. Damn. Um, I think he would be okay with me. I don't know. It's not really a habit, but it's a um, – he's a sweater. So I think he would. I mean, and he says that he doesn't wear his deodorant. What? Oh, he wears his deodorant. <laughs> he, I didn't. I didn't say he smelled bad, but he's. Um, he's just one of. He's. Um, he's a sweater. He's um, he Irish. You know, Scotch Irish. Oh yeah, that's so, a sweaty. That's a sweaty people. A sweaty. Is yeah. it a sweaty? So, I've never heard of that. So, it's a sweaty um, so he'll. You know, in in court. Um, you know, he if he works out in the morning, it's like his temperatures. His internal temperature is very high, so he'll be very sweaty. He's like, mm. you know, I know I look like I'm guilty standing up here trying to talk to a <laughs> yeah. jury, but it's just like, oh, yeah. sweating. So, um, but you know, but uh, but again, that's can't no no control over genetics, I guess. I mean, it's true. I think that is just pure. They have like little surgeries, though. I think for that to make I you sweat you can, less. Yeah, right? you it's can. Like Botox, I think yes. is like a thing yeah. that you can like. Is he like I think an it depends. Sweater or like a back sweater or like a face sweater. Yeah, it's more face. So um, yeah, it's not like he's. Th- I mean, he's wearing a suit. So I mean, maybe he's got sweat maybe wings underneath. under his arms. Yeah. But I, fortunately, none. Of, ne- neither I nor the jury see that. <laughs> it's really more the uh, yeah, yeah. Face. the internals. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 He'll usually carry a, like square? a neckerchief. Yeah, pocket yeah. square. It's okay. very, well, very a very nice, one, a tasteful one. If you like want. a southern yeah. lawyer in a movie, it's like, oh lord, this case. <laughs> right. just like, yeah, it's like time to kill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who has highlighted this question twice now? I did. I think it's yeah, funny. I think Evan did. Well, I mean, you don't have to ask it. I just think I, it's. I'm curious. I will. It's been highlighted twice. That was purple. Now it's okay. yellow. Okay, I only highlighted it once. Well, I did, what I did was highlight it. Like, oh, I think right. you circled it with your text. Yeah. And then I highlighted it. Yeah. So I only one. okay. Intentional about this question. I will have to ask it. I but I, okay. I, all right. Yeah, you uh, do it. All right. Have you ever seen a wrongful death case that was, you know, maybe not that wrongful? You were like, <laughs> that's Darwinism at work, baby. Uh, um. I, so I can share. I'll share two stories with you. Oh, yes. oh yes. there's stories with them. <laughs> they're just, they're, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe they're more interesting to me, but not, they're not wrongful death, but they are Darwinism, you know, at, at, yes. at, at its you know, finest. So, <laughs> um, you know, so consumer fireworks were illegal in the state of Georgia for as long as I was alive, minus the last, say, Three less years? Than ten, yeah, yeah. It was recent, no, I feel it was, like. It was very recent. So consumer yeah. fireworks just for... Yeah, the so consumer fireworks here. are not what you would see when you go to the 4th of July downtown. Alpharetta. It's the ones I do in my backyard. The ones you do at your backyard. Gotcha. You'd well. have to go to, like, South Carolina or something yeah. to get them. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, up until the last five years, they were illegal in the state of Georgia. You'd go to South Carolina we'd have Carolina bottle rocket fights. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we all did that. So, anyway. Um, so, interestingly, people. you know, shortly after that went into law, um, I had – uh, two cases kind of really, I mean, very close in time 
uh, where uh, people were doing, you know, it was like 4th of July or like right around Christmas Mm -hmm. and they were doing their fireworks show. And I mean, the fact that this happened to two people, uh, the fireworks, they set them off, they're blowing up and then boom, just shoots them right in the eye. Oh, like of all. Like, did they not get back? I don't know what. That's so like, again, don't you use like, like a little long pointy lighter so you can like? Yeah, I, mean, I do. I, but I, well, and what is even more amazing about it? I think somebody else had lit them and they were standing back, but one oh, of the balls, it just like went. Yeah, it was like an. That's errant, not their fault. That's not Darwinism. I mean, but the fact that, that you know, how does I mean think about how big your eye is and mm. you know on your entire body? I'm gonna and flick you're twenty something feet at you. away, like and see if you dodge it. I, just, <laughs> I mean, I it have an exploding egg. In my That's house true. The other We've day. seen Rebecca. Oh yeah, her battle <laughs> that scars. That was Darwinism. <laughs> An egg. Yeah, egg. yeah just he FYI not... for everybody listening: if you leave a boiling egg in a pot too long, oh, they I actually... thought that was a hickey. So okay. <laughs> that's what I said. <laughs> that's so embarrassing. <laughs> No, now it looks more like a hickey than I did before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More like a hickey. Oh yeah, yeah. Because it was, it was like scabbed over before, so it looked. It was like nobody's going that hard on it. No, it's a hard. I would not show up to a professional event with a hickey on my neck. It was a hard-boiled egg boiling in a pan. Sure. And (laughs) it sounds really. It sounds like you're lying. It sounds like you made this up. It explodes. Uh Yeah. Yeah, sure. I just ironically <laughs> hit you right there. Right, <laughs> right. I mean, can't y'all right. go with like a the curling iron burn or something? Like, no, because nobody's like curling their hair like right here. No, oh, your hair's straight. People so. who can't curl. Can't yeah, and so. your hair's not curled. So whatever. Um, so, so, <laughs> last week. Yeah, so anyway, I, that's not on. a wrongful death, and it's Guilty. I don't know. Maybe it's <laughs> you know maybe I'm being too critical of of these folks, but the fact no. that two people got hit in the eye with a firework. On the uh, same night? Same, like, right around the same time. And two different people, two different cases. And we ended up... Which, what's funny about these firework cases is... Um, so, the people who defend it... There's actually a guy um, out of Muncie, Indiana, who goes around the country defending firework companies in cases involving fireworks. So, we had him on the same case. Huh. His letterhead even has at the top like a firework exploding. <laughs> wow. Like, in the air. So, yeah. He just won Sue. Like the homeowner that sh- that did the fireworks. Like no, you you, sh- you sue you know the fire Pappy's fireworks. Yeah, you know, so, or whomever sold it. Yeah, yeah really? so the fire. Yeah, the know. case. These cases were you called the James and James tells yeah. you who to yeah, sue. Yeah, I don't want to share my secret sauce. <laughs> I just yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sued if I the yeah, real no, fire. You got to protect your niche. It was not against the homeowner. In both cases, they were very adamant that they did not want to pursue a case. And frankly, I mean, there was no real case against the homeowner. The The firework clearly was defective. That's the key uh, part of it. It was, was a defective. Like, it yeah. wasn't defective like they, they were, were the silly. No, they yeah. were they too having, close. They, yeah. weren't, like, they weren't doing bottle rocket. They may have been drunk, but it wasn't. The drunkness had nothing to do um, with yeah. the. Uh, and we can prove that. Yeah. We. we would not have taken the case if we couldn't. <laughs> like, let me let me see the cell cell phone videos. Right. Where is everybody at? Oh, there was cell phone video of one of them, and it was insane. I mean, it was just like, oh my gosh, just I'm wild. never doing yeah. fireworks again. Yeah, so but I'm not like a, a, July. a huge fireworks. yeah fan, probably because we're not that responsible. Every time we do neighborhood fireworks, I'm like, nobody should have allowed this neighborhood to do yeah. this. Yeah, like yeah. we had like it's... a little kid like driving his scooter throughout them. I'm like, oh, can yeah. you like That's... get out? I'm like we're whose we're kid all... is that? I know. Was it your kid? No, it wasn't thankfully. It was a boy. I don't have boys. It was definitely a boy who <laughs> it would like be my kid that did yeah, it. One yeah. of my boys would have done that yeah. for yeah. sure. Boys are just fearless. No, my kids yeah. were like crying. They needed like 
headphones. Yeah, I got like Sweet like babies. from the shooting range. Yeah. I got like the gun like mm-hmm. you know ones. Yeah, on toughen the them up. I know. I was like, yeah. come on, little punks. Bottle rocket fight. <laughs> well, anyway. anyway he they, passed. Man. He passed, I know. Uh, we we need to make this plea the fifth on five. I really thought he was not going to bark like a dog. Oh, like, come on. I, I wrote that one down no when we shame. first they just started. won the natty again. That's what I'm saying. Like, like, on a downswing, maybe. Yeah, but yeah. That was a proud time. Basketball. Yeah. yeah, if you had asked me when we lost the Liberty Bowl, you know, years ago. That would have been a sad bark. Yeah, that would have been. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us on our episode of the Opening Savings Podcast. Yes quite a fun time thank you we appreciate it for everyone listening you guys can find us on all the social medias and when you listen to us please leave us a five-star review we appreciate it uh we will catch you next time case Case closed. closed